And this is going to be maybe a little awkward for me to hold this, but I'm going to try just doing it because I think the quality will be better. It has a like a, a rather photogenic look, like those paintings <laughs> where they where they posed yes, somebody yes. a certain way. <laughs> Hi, I'm Patricia. Before recorded history, humans knew singing as a deep source of power. Power to change, power to heal, power to be present with what is. Right here, right now, we are remembering the ancient gift of song, using modern tech to help us tap into resilience and capacity in chaotic times. Welcome to the 120th episode of A Breath of Song. I'm so glad you chose to do this today, which is extra special because T. Martin is joining us for a songwriter conversation. Hi, T. Welcome. Hi, Patricia. (laughs) We are here to find more ways to sing songs that help us heal, adapt, grow. Your voice is exactly what's needed for this. I'm coming to you straight from my home in what is now called Burlington, Vermont, on the unceded lands of the Abenaki people. And T, tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here with you. And I'm calling from northern New Mexico at a place called the Llama Foundation, which is about 8,600 feet up on a mountain. And it's the land of the Pueblos and the Tewa people. And it's not usually where I live, but I'm here right now. I'm usually on southern Pomone, Coast Miwok land in so-called Sebastopol, California. Beautiful. Are you on retreat? Are you on vacation? Great question, yeah. I'm visiting a community that I've been building relationship with over the last few years. And I've been here for a bit over a month. I've spent time in over the summer in August and September, the last few years. So I'm here singing and volunteering in the community. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's an amazing place. Beautiful. All our voices, wherever we are, will turn up just as they are today. And no matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. Last week, I shared T's song, I Let Go. Today, T will be teaching us a relatively new song of theirs called Alchemy. We'll learn it slowly so it can settle inside you and you can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with T and we'll close out with the song again at the end. You'll always be able to find the episode with full show notes and artwork in the library of songs at abreathofsong.com. Let's start with tuning into our bodies, yawning, stretching, maybe rolling your shoulders a bit, stretching up on your side, whatever really feels comfortable and yummy. Mm. You can let your voice begin to sound as it often does, at least for me when I stretch. And start to notice as the breath pours in how it opens up space in your rib cage, under your arms. And as it floods out, it carries something with it. And as it pours in, let it widen your belly, widen your back. 
And as it pours out, let it carry something with it. Letting it drop into your pelvis and even down to your feet and sliding up your spine. Maybe let it roller coaster for a minute. Feeling how it vibrates as it slides around your body. Go ahead again. Ah, T, I'm going to turn it over to you to share the song. Thanks, Patricia. So, yes, this song is called Alchemy, and there are three main parts. The first part goes like this. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. A couple more times, that part. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. And it is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow your dream. So, it is not too late happens three times and then into dreams. Caught me. And again. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow your dreams. And again, one more time. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow, it is not too late. It is not too late to follow your dreams. And the third part goes like this, real simple. The whole part is the word dream. It is not too late to follow your dream. There it is. <laughs> dream. Sing that with me, yeah. Dream. Again, dream. So that repeats. Okay. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. 
Know what you need to know. And it is not too late. It is not too late to follow. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow your dreams. Know what you need to know. Dream. Everything is helping you. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you Dream. need to know. Everything is helping Dream. you grow and thrive. Know what you Dream. need to know. And it is not too late. It is not too late to follow. It is not too late. Dream. It is not too late to follow. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow your dream. Dream. It is not too late. It is not too late to follow. And you can add harmonies to any of those parts. That's the song. That is so cool. I love that. Could you could you give us dream again? Just slow down because there were so yeah. many little quick notes in there. And I'd like <laughs> yeah. to see if I can find them all. Yeah. I have a, a bit of a musical theater background and I think it's something straight out of rent. <gasps> the musical rent. When I hear it, I think <laughs> Fabulous. What a great place to, to in, what a great thing to include. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, it's dream, dream, dream. Fabulous. Let's sing it with your recording so that we can hear all three great. parts together. Okay, great. I can just hear the three harmonies lining up, you know, in my yeah. head. And I just want to hear them really in person. Okay, great. In the recording, I have Everything is Helping You Grow and Thrive and then Grow and Shine. Mm, okay. I'm fine with people switching it. Officially, it's just Thrive. But when I recorded it, it was Thrive and Shine. Uh-huh. Okay. See how this sounds. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. Everything is helping you grow and thrive. Know what you need to know. Everything is helping you.
Yes, besides rent. <laughs> so this song came through about a year ago. I think it was August or September of 2022. And I was in a discernment process about going on an ancestral pilgrimage to Scotland with uh, a song teacher named Hannah Lay, who is, is an amazing song teacher. And, and she runs a course called Songs of Mother Europe. And she did the first ever pilgrimage to Scotland doing ancestral research and journeying and singing there. And I was in process around this and and somehow in this very potent time of making this decision, which I did end up doing this pilgrimage, this this song came through. And I think something about the internal process of just wrestling with the questions brought up this this medicine that I offered to myself of these words, everything is helping you to grow and thrive, know what you need to know. And and I feel like part of what it says or part of the undercurrent of the message is sort of this sentiment of, sweetie, it's okay. Whatever you whatever you choose is okay. Every mm. part of this mm. is is helping you to grow and to know what you need to know. And I think of this line that reminds me of the book The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, although it probably is from many, many things, but this sense that the whole universe is conspiring to help us and and that every everything that happens in our life is a part of this this web that is that is holding us and really that everything is helping us to grow and thrive, to know whatever it is that we need to know on our journey. And then the second part it is not too late. Yeah, I feel like this is a something also that I live with, just this sense of any time we can connect to our heart's longings, that, that it's not too late to follow that. And that also reminds me of, of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, mm. this workbook um, that has been a, a deep friend to me in my life at different points. And And Julia Cameron has been a teacher who's really reminded me that it's it's never too late to connect to our dreams and and so that that's the second part of the song is it's not too late it's not too late now is is the perfect moment to remember what you most long for and to follow it and and then that third part dream is reiterating that for me dream what is it that you dream of let's dream yeah and of course alchemy sort of ancient science slash magic of making gold out of base metals or yes. kind of finding the, the an unexpected way of something becoming precious. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm remembering, actually I had forgotten until now that I was reading the book The Alchemist at the time. I had okay. read it before and carried it with me over the years and I reread the book uh-huh. last fall. And, and was feeling deeply impacted by it in really in this message that 
the universe is conspiring to help me and, and really wanting to believe that. And that's actually the reason for the title alchemy, because it feels like it's turning, turning fear into gold yeah. is, is how it feels inside of me, turning the hesitations or the doubts or the mistrust or the fear into something that is beautiful and nourishing and that can be trustworthy. Yeah. Tell me something about this choice to explore your own ancestry mm. and the music of Europe. I am a white European descent woman, and as I grew up musically, I felt very disconnected from, mm -hmm. uh, except for maybe boys' choir. I think that was maybe my heritage. My mm -hmm. mom adored English, was, was English, and loved cathedral music, so listened to a lot of uh, boys' choir music and kind of idolized mm. that particular sound. Mm. But that in itself was very disjointed from where I was. And mm. just talk to me about that. What led to that curiosity? Yeah. yeah, thanks for that question. There's so many layers to it. Let's see where to start. When I started in the community singing movement was around 2017 and and I found many white people who were teaching songs that weren't of their own traditions or their own lineages and I think wrestling with that really led me to doing my own ancestral research and asking the question what does it look like to decolonize the community singing movement what does it look like for white people like myself to be teaching songs and not and not taking taking from other cultures and calling those songs their own and and my ancestral research has mostly been into gaelic singing i have a mostly irish and english ancestry and I journeyed to Scotland on this ancestral pilgrimage. I have my DNA test says that I have the tiniest bit of Scottish ancestry, but mostly I'm Irish and English. And I, I was studying Gaelic singing, Irish Gaelic singing with a, a teacher in Ireland for the last, uh, for about a year. And learning those sounds has connected me to something that feels rooted in, inside myself, in my bones, in my blood. And, and, it, and it helps me to understand that I come from somewhere and that there are sounds and that there are rituals, there are ceremonies that these songs go in and stories and myths that go with them. And it's been a powerful way for me to, yeah, to deepen my relationship with song and to, and to understand that, you know, we're all so influenced by many cultures and places and, and people and, and ways of singing in the music world and that I also come from somewhere, that it's not just about taking um, or being influenced by other people, that I, I also have lineages that I carry in my body and my blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful to think of singing not just as being a broad activity, but also as an activity that has depth or a practice mm. that has not mm. just breadth, but also depth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. 2017, what drew you toward community singing at that point? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> so I grew up singing in 
I, I didn't identify as a singer for most of my early years in my life, but I grew up singing in a church choir from maybe second grade on. And, and even in my really young years, there was something that drew me to the experience of singing in community in that way. There was a, a family that led the church choir at the Catholic church that I grew up going to. And there was some sparkle about them that I always felt drawn to in a way that I wanted to be around them. And I I thought it was so cool that they all played instruments and sang, and I didn't come from a musical family. And so I, over the years, just kept singing, and I mostly through high school in the context of church choir, and then I did musical theater in high school. And I found that some of my favorite moments in my life were when I would gather with my friends and we would just all sing together or jam on instruments and... But I still didn't really identify as a singer. And after high school, I started singing more and started being encouraged to sing more in front of people and had to get over a deep, deep fear of singing publicly. There's so much more I could say about that. But long story short, I ended up at Village Fire in the Midwest, this community singing gathering in Iowa. And and I loved it so much. And and one of my early singing teachers and and ongoing singing teachers Liz Rog she said to me why don't you why don't you go around and interview people interview community song leaders and and learn more about this and and i thought that's kind of a cool idea so i wrote down some names and then i maybe sometime in the next year i went to singing alive in oregon and and I got to sing there and meet more community song leaders and and met um, Josh Blaine, who's another song leader. And, and he was actually going on a journey of interviewing people in this way that Liz had suggested I do. And so the two of us ended up traveling together and interviewing song leaders. And that's really what kind of catapulted me into the work of community singing. I was starting to dip my toes into the world, but we traveled and interviewed Melanie Damore and Lisa Littlebird and other song leaders. And, and that feels like it was really the catalyst for me. Did those interviews end up being published anywhere? Are they on yeah, the web? Are they question. findable? <laughs> I want to read them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're certainly somewhere. Um, they were video interviews. And at the time, Josh was compiling them with the idea of, of publishing them somewhere. And some of the interviews are, you can find them on Facebook. He was organizing a project called Finding Our Voice. And that's where the interviews, that's kind of the title under which the interviews can be found is this project Finding Our Voice. Okay. Yeah, that was a, that was a big piece of how I started in the, in the world. And there's a lot of kind of background threads to that, but that was, I think, sort of the turning point for me. Do you, can you identify what it was as you were talking with these people, mm. um, which is different than than singing with them, right? What mm-hmm, was it mm-hmm. that drew you even closer into the community singing world from those conversations? Mm. This is maybe not directly answering that question, but what comes to mind immediately is in these interviews, I could see the network and the web of of people and teachers who were who were singing in a particular way that was community oriented that was oftentimes it felt inside of me healing and and focused on liberation mm-hmm. and 
and I felt like after doing these interviews, you know, after we interviewed Lawrence Cole as well, and I felt like I did these interviews and, and then all of a sudden had these teachers and mentors that I was connected to because of this. And Melanie Damore, for example, is one of my primary mentors in the community singing world now. And I met her first doing, doing that interview. And, and I remember at that moment feeling like, oh yeah, this, this is someone who I respect so deeply and want to deepen in relationship with and learn from. Mm. Talk to me about the word liberation. This is a word that I've only just recently been coming mm. in contact with. Mm. Mm. Talk to me about what it means to you and, and how song is intertwined with liberation for you. Mm. Yeah, I love that question. Some images that come to mind are, um, well, I'll speak to the opposite of liberation. It feels like contraction. If, mm. if, if contraction or tightening is the opposite, then the image of liberation feels like expansion. And I think of being invited, being welcomed into the creative muse, being invited into fullness and then some, being invited to stretch toward um, what's possible. I think of liberation being freedom. Another image that comes to mind is a, a butterfly coming out of the cocoon mm. and the wings expanding. And the way that it connects to song for me is on a very physical level, I feel inside of myself something expanding when I sing. I can feel it in my chest. And, and I think there, you know, there are physiological ways we can talk about that. Somatically, singing is regulating and we're breathing deeply and, you know, all these things moving our bodies potentially. And just inside myself, there's a way that in addition to kind of the physiological things, there's a way that it feels like song expands something in me. And it, and it feels, it feels like it can be liberation. And I'll say there's a kind of a different, a different way that I would use that word also, which is I have been a part of singing movements that have used song as specifically liberation and justice movements. I was co-leading the Thrive Street Choir for most of the last six years. I just left that role. There is a group of singers in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, that sings for marches and rallies and protests around the Bay. So local organizers can message message them and say, hey, we need someone for this protest tomorrow. Can you show up with song? And in that context, I feel there's a specifically a social justice aspect to the way that I use the word liberation, which is liberating ourselves from uh, from an overculture of, of domination or from... Um, from various kinds of oppression that people might be experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Last week, the song that I shared of yours was I Let Go. Mm. I let go, I lay down, mm. I release, return again. Tell me about the effect that song has when you sing it in your mm. body. I know the effect it has in my body. Mm. I'm curious to hear what happens for you when you sing that song. Mm. Yeah, that song feels, yeah, it feels like an exhale and it feels 
it, it returns me to my body in moments when I'm looking outside myself for whatever it might be. Yeah. It feels like it, it returns me to this all is well, all is well right now. There's nothing more to be done in this moment. It's okay. And maybe like I said in alchemy, you know, in that song too, it's a sense of I'm being carried by something greater than myself and I can rest. What led you to start writing songs, creating songs that have these beautiful messages to yourself? Mm. What, what, <laughs> how, why do you think they come out as songs? Huh, that's interesting. Well, on the one hand, it's, it's the medicine I sing, and I think so many, so many people who write songs write the medicine. I write the medicine that I need in a moment. And I think in a way it comes out as song because when I sing, I'm not rationalizing something in my brain. And mm. there's something somatic. There's something in my whole, the whole of my body that happens when I'm singing and, and maybe it's like, if I just spoke the words, it would be harder to believe them. But when I'm singing, I can move past what my, what my rational brain thinks or doesn't think is true. And, and it feels like I can believe it more. That's actually why yeah. there are ad jingles because they actually, they actually have to, the science shows that we are well, more likely to believe things that are sung than things that are spoken. Whoa. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> so you're, you know, it's, you're tapping into something very true about us as humans, mm. right? Mm. But I love that, that you have that experiential connection. I, I mm. think a lot of people experience music as very performative, right? You mm. go to a concert, you buy a CD, you listen to somebody who's quote unquote a real singer. And the experience is that the music is is out there somewhere else rather than inside. How do you help people move through that that hesitation or that sense of separation from yeah. song? Yeah, that's fun. I think about general facilitation things when mm -hmm. you ask that question. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is... I have some theater background and I love using theater tools to get people in their bodies and out of their heads as soon yeah. as a song circle starts, whether it's shaking or movement or connecting with one another or silliness. I love silliness in, in song circles. Do you have an example? Can okay. You think of one? Uh, yeah. Okay. I would say, all right, everybody make a big face and stick out your tongue. Yeah. And make eye contact with someone else. <laughs> and now make a really tiny face and scrunch up your face like a mouse. And now make a big face and make eye contact with someone else. And just, just things to get people out of the seriousness. And I think that that supports people often to, to forget for a moment their fears that they might have around singing and to be more willing. Uh -huh. Because I think a lot of it is just loosening, like loosening up the space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah beautiful. Thinking about your experience in these large festival situations and large leading, mm. being part of large groups of singers, I'm wondering 
there's a difficult conversation in the community singing world around song ownership or rights. So when is it okay for us to share a song that we didn't write ourselves? And it seems to me like there are two threads to this. One is about acknowledgement and understanding and respect and not taking from another culture. And one is about livelihood and exchange that makes food and shelter possible for artists who are creating songs. Given that we live in a society where money is how we meet many basic needs and is also seen as a statement of value, right? So that's that's kind of like a huge observation slash question. I'm not quite sure what the question is in there for you, but I'm, I, I think I'm wondering where are you right now? I know that everybody's thinking on this evolves and changes. Yeah, sure. Let's see where to start on that. Yeah, can you can you ask the question one more time? I feel like there's yeah. I have thoughts and let yeah, me just break it first. Time. Let me start sure. by asking about we talked just briefly at the beginning about singing songs that don't come from one's own heritage, <laughs> that aren't the culture that you are born into. Where are you right now on that? How do you approach that? If there's a song that you would love to sing and it comes out of the Diné people or something, yeah. you know, how, how are you handling that question? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. One, one piece that I'll say is it feels really specific to the song and the people that it comes from. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's a an answer that I can give that's kind of a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. And and that said, the place where I hope that I start from and, and really want to start from always is a place of respect. And if I don't know anything about a song, it's hard to know how to respect the song. So some of that is, okay, where do, do I know anything about where this song comes from? Is it connected to a particular cultural tradition or is it a song that's not so connected to a particular lineage and culture? And, and so starting there, and there are certain songs from certain cultures that I, I would say I would choose to not sing. Um, and definitely if I didn't know any, if I didn't know if it was okay or not, and then generally I think there are, yeah, there are certainly songs that I would that I would say I choose not to sing. And, and I think that said, one, I feel like a learning point for me recently in this has been to also loosen around it in a way that I'm not, I'm not being righteous or like, it's never okay to, I just feel like things are, yeah, things are so complex and yeah. in song, Song is a technology that we've been using, you know, for millennia throughout all cultures. Mm -hmm. And and I always want to start from a place of respect and to do my work, especially as a white person, to do my work to to track what am I singing and where does it come from. Um, yeah, and to also check myself if I'm being really tight and feeling like I... I'm a good song leader because I don't, you know, I know that I'm not supposed to sing these songs or something. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a fine line 
and that I want to be really careful to, to humble myself and, and also to say like, there's so much complexity and, and to really do my best and to not hold ultimatums around any of it, around what's okay or not okay to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that feel like it answers it? I love the, the recognition that it's individual, that it's each song. Mm. And Mm -hmm. then you do have a starting point of respect. Mm. Yeah. And then how you carry that into the song is going to be different depending on the yeah. On that particular song, I love that response. Not that it matters whether I love it or not. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> but but I just I I do. I think that's a really helpful approach to take. So the second question that I had was really a separate question, but it also involves that respect question. I think, which is how do you approach sharing songs that are written, that we know are written by somebody else Mm. and you're leading a song, you're being paid to lead a song circle. Yeah. And you're bringing songs by other people. Right. Yeah. And I I think this is an ongoing conversation in this. I don't expect you to have the answer. I don't think any of us have the answer yet. I think Mm. this is something that we're still trying to uncover, still trying to discover there, we live in a society where money is how we meet many basic needs. Mm. If I come and sing in a song circle with you, I am unlikely, especially if it's a Zoom song circle, I'm unlikely to bring you food in exchange for this or, or knit you a blanket in exchange for, you know, it, it's, it's more often that the exchange is financial, right? If you're going to go home and have warm things to wear and food to eat. Mm. I, it's something I think about when it comes to to how we share music of other people. I, I think mm. about it like I try to buy music on Bandcamp instead of Spotify, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a small way of letting the money go to the creator. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think similarly to what I said to the last question, it feels really person specific. Yeah. And and so I have a couple of have a couple of kind of directions I could take the question. The first thing that I'll say is as as much as I can, I love to build relationship with people whose songs I'm singing. And mm. And that gives me information about how to proceed in that question. Because if I'm in relationship, just in the same way that in the previous question, if I can be in relationship with a song, with the song keeper, with the culture, then I can have more of a compass for how to navigate because I maybe will hear it directly from the person. Hey, how do you feel mm-hmm. about me singing this song at this song circle where I'm getting paid? So I think as often as possible, I want to build relationship and I'll answer, I'll say the same thing again, which is, I also want to hold it all loosely in the, not, not too loosely, but to, but to remember that I can have norms that I go by in the so-called community singing movement. And also people have been singing together for, you know, all of history. And, and to just remember, I didn't create, I didn't create the technology of singing in community and, and, and I want to do my best to be respectful and also like 
you know, for all of time, people have been hearing things and then repeating them in circle and singing them. It just, there's a way that the, what I want to hold gently is, is that my perspective of, of how to be in right relationship even feels like I want to, I want to make it more complex by remembering that like, let's, let's do our best to, to, to be in reciprocity and also, um, like singing, it's like breathing and, and, and I don't have any, yeah, there's like, there's no ownership in any of it. And, and I don't, and I don't say that to mean that, that I, I don't want to honor the lineage. I, it's so important to me to honor the lineage and yeah. And just also to, to be like, great. And, and also sometimes people just sing things and it's not, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I it's, hard, it's a little hard to articulate it for me, but that's some of the answer as it comes up for me. I think about, I, I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast from all over the world, you mm. know, and myself, for example, when I found the community singing movement, discovered yeah. some of these songs for the first time in 2019, it was through Lisa Littlebird, mm. but I live on the East coast. I haven't met Lawrence Cole, although of course mm. I've heard so much about him, you know, I haven't met you until today. I mm. haven't met M Melanie Damore. There's so many people who are creating songs that I've heard mm. both from them through recordings and from other song leaders that speak to me, you know, that I want to carry. So this is a question that comes up to me fairly frequently yeah. because mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have that relationship, but I'm hearing these songs that feel really good in my life, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think that's part of why I asked this question. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. I would also say to be more specific, if I'm teaching us, if I'm leading a song circle and there's someone there, there's a song leader whose songs I'm singing repeatedly, I will think, okay, how can I be in reciprocity? Do they have a place that I can donate on their website or something like that? Or can I reach out to them and ask mm -hmm. and, and just make sure I'm in right relationship? So that's, that's another, you know, more practical, specific yeah. answer. What do you learn about yourself and others from the process of being a song leader? Hmm. I feel like singing and facilitating song has been one of my, if not the primary place of my learning and growth over the last number of years. And I think that so many facets of the learning, it could happen in any in any focus, you know, it's like if I was dancing or something, maybe it would, there could be similar kinds of learning, but it just is the, it's the place that I've chosen to do my work in a lot of ways. And so, gosh, I've, I mean, I've learned so much about myself and others. Many of the things that we're talking about, how to be in right relationship with my own ancestry, with other cultures, with how to think about money as it relates to artists mm -hmm. and my own art and other people's art. I think about facilitation and everything I've learned about facilitation because 
I feel a lot of the times, I, I feel even more maybe than a, well, I, I feel definitely like a song keeper and feels like half of that work is facilitation and learning about how to, to read and be in relationship with a group of people to read and to lead and to be in relationship with mm -hmm. a group and, and to track the energy in a room to have tools in my back pocket. If the energy is really low or really needs to come back together or whatever it might be, gosh, I've learned so much. It's beautiful. How do you take care of yourself when you're not singing? Mm. I, uh, I love to play soccer. Uh -huh. I play soccer and that is a, a big tool for self-care for me. I also have a set of movement practices that I do every morning that actually comes from a theater movement teacher. It involves stretching and shaking and I do some Qigong and I've been doing this particular set of practices for um, a little over a year now, most mornings and going on long walks, taking time to myself, making sure that I have time for myself. I love to dance. So dancing, those are some of the ways. Beautiful. Yeah. What are some of the biggest questions that you're carrying right now? What are some of the things that, that float up as you're doing movement practice or as you're going for a long walk? If I may ask. Yeah, sure. Yeah. In relation to, to my life and my work, one of the questions is, how can I be creating ritual art that is engaging song and that is liberative and that is relevant to these times? I think about the longing that I have in myself to continue to deepen in relationship with earth. And, mm -hmm. and how to be in right relationship with earth amidst an overculture in this country of, of separation from earth. And I think about what does it look like to be in, in right relationship with my work as well as an artist who needs to make money and pay rent and these things. And I, one of the, one of the deepest longings in me is to, to be of service to the earth in these times and to be in service of, of healing and, and deepening people's relationship with earth. And so I long to do that with song and, and I'm, I'm always asking, how can I, how can I be doing that more fully? How can I be living that path? What does it look like for me to, yeah. What does it look like for me to continue being in relationship with, with the land where I am and the waters where I am and the plants and animals where I am? Mm. Yeah. So what are you excited about right now? And sort of what, what have you, what are you finding right now? I, I, mm. Where, where is that in terms of, are you experimenting with some of the ways that you create space for singing? Mm. Are you, how is it influencing your work at this point? Sure. Yeah. Well, one thing that comes up and it may be because I'm on this particular mountain now, but the, the place, the physical landscape where I am and where I've been for the past month is being upwards of 8,500 feet on a mountain and it's black bear country and it's, it's a 45, 40 minute drive into Taos, into uh -huh. town. And 
and there's a way that I I find myself longing longing to be just living closer to to the edginess of of the wild and I feel in myself the ways that this place is wild and and all all the vast vastness that there is to learn from the natural world and and some of the ways that that influences my work feels like it can it it can shake me out of what what I think is safe or mm. it can shake me out of patterns and and it humbles me mm. a lot of the songs that I write are connected to earth and there's this song I was thinking of a lot this morning the words that the lyrics are at the place where the waters meet spider weaves a web casting a golden thread to the center of your knowing and that song came through on a it was just about to do a four-day fast in the out in the wild I was backpacking in northern California on northern Wintu Palm land and yeah the ways that I, I I felt like okay here's this little spider and what is what does spider have to teach me about my life and here being on this mountain what is black bear what does coyote and mountain lion and pine tree what what do these beings have to teach me about what it is to to live on this planet in these times and just to stay really humble yeah I feel really aware of of having grown up in a city I grew up in San Francisco and I yeah, I feel I feel in many ways in my bones like a city creature, and when I come out in wild places, it's like, ooh, okay, <laughs> here I am, here are me and all my fears, and and letting that humble me, letting letting it be a place that I can surrender, and and find my memory of of my place in in the wildness of things. You know, in the in the significance of my life and the insignificance of my life, in the great mystery and web of of things, and and all of that, I feel like all of that whispers into my songs, mm. into my poetry, into my writing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been doing the reverse. I I grew up in a very rural area on many acres in, in farmland and wildland and spent most of my adult life similarly next to thousands of acres of wildland and now have moved into a small city. Burlington, Vermont is not a large city by most people's standards, but to me, it feels very different. And um, I'm really... You know, there's so much pavement, so much between me and the ground so much of the time. Um, I really notice that. And so for me, at this point, I'm I am finding that singing is a is a way that helps me really connect to the mm. to what feels like the wilder natural parts of myself. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I'm I'm learning the intention that it takes to to live here and stay connected to the ground, and in some ways, the value of the ground has shot up for me. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you wish I would ask you? Hmm. <laughs> 
I would love to share what some of my favorite memories of singing are. Yes. Yes. Some of my earliest memories of singing are I had this pink and purple bicycle with training wheels when I was a little, little young one. And I remember creating songs as I would bike around my, my neighborhood in San Francisco. And it was one of these things where I, I feel like I didn't choose song, song chose me. That feels like that in my life. Because I have these memories as a kid of creating songs as such a young child. And I would just, instead of, I don't know, talking to myself, <laughs> if I were to talk to myself, I would sing to myself. And I remember processing whatever was happening in my life, even as a little kid. And I would process through singing. And it's so sweet to remember that. And also, a number of years ago, Lindsay Scott and Joanna Laws Landis, another song songkeeper, and I, um, the three of us did these two healing song bike abouts we rode. The first one was from St. Louis to Decorah, Iowa, and we rode on our bikes and sang along the way. The first one we rode up to a, a workshop with Issei Barnwell in Decorah, Iowa, and and it's sweet to think of myself as, you know, a however little kid I was on my bike and then as an adult cycling through the Midwest and creating and singing songs. Yeah, it's super, super sweet to to think of those as some of the roots of my song world. It's interesting because I don't I don't remember why I started doing that, but definitely it's song has always been in my life a way that I process things and process emotions, process experiences and maybe metabolize things that are happening in my life and returns and returns again. I even, I, I spent in um, 2016 a number of months at Standing Rock in uh -huh. so-called North Dakota and as a, as a water protector and um, learning so much there. And, and one of the things that really struck me about that experience was in the intensity and the violence of of living as a water protector there song kept coming back again and again and both there was a lot of singing happening when I was there and also I found myself returning to song as a primary tool for processing that experience and for for healing myself and for feeling like th this is this is the work of healing creating art creating song using my voice this mm. is this is a part of of what it means to heal as humans in this time yeah thank you for your work as a water protector you feel ready for lightning round questions sure all right here we go what's an album that was really important to you oh okay uh let's see i think of tracy chapman I don't mm. know, something by Tracy Chapman. Mm. I think of I'm Yours immediately, that song. I don't know, album, but yeah. I also, another answer I'll give is, well, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there, yeah. Oh, you can give yeah. another answer. <laughs> I was, when I was in, when I was in eighth grade, I remember, this is coming, coming up for whatever reason, but I remember listening to um, the album that Taken the Long Way Around by The Chicks is on, and and they 
as a as a country band had spoken out against the war in Iraq and gotten a lot of um, uh, the backfire Dixie, the Dixie for that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They're now going by the Chicks. Yes. yes. And I was so inspired as a as a young person by like these people speaking out using their power as artists using their voices to speak out against violence and hatred and and they created this movie about it and anyway that I listened to that album on repeat again and again because I felt so moved by by these artists using their voice and I feel like that's a early inspiration for me yeah and something I strive to do anytime we're facilitating something it's a position of influence and how can we how can I use that position well and for justice and healing wow all right <laughs> the next lightning round question is what is your favorite soup which feels like <laughs> a little bit of a change of topic <laughs> i have i have so many answers i love soup the immediate one that comes to mind is butternut squash soup because it's kind of it's been a go-to for many years but i've been on a miso kick for the last while and mm miso any time of day and i'll also say any any kind of soup with good broth really gets me yeah what is a sound you feel strongly about doesn't have to be a positive sound or negative sound you know just a song mm. that evokes strong feelings a song or a sound sound a sound <sighs> that's one i do a lot <laughs> release who is an artist that you wish more people listened to? Yeah, there's my friend Molly Hartwell has an album with Laura Boswell on Spotify called Wellspring. It's probably also on Bandcamp, etc. But I wish more people listened to this album. It's so good. <laughs> and um, Molly Hartwell is the, the author of... Um, the song that has spread far and wide in a different form, the Put Your Roots Down song, which sounds quite different in its original form, but that's yes. Molly Hartwell's song. I'm so glad you shared that because Put Your Roots Down is one of the most listened to podcast episodes on A Breath of Song. Oh. And when I recorded it, I didn't know whose song it was. And I said, yeah. can anybody tell me, you know, please, yeah. because I love this song and I'm trying to track down its origins. Yes. And this is the most effective tool that I had yes. and eventually Heather Houston found it and she was like oh that well actually she was song leading it and um yeah. and Molly said oh that's my song <laughs> right I Molly told me that story yeah. that's so cool yeah. so anyway before we close where can we find you and follow your projects by your music stay in yeah. touch thanks so much you can sign up for my newsletter my mailing list and you can find me on Bandcamp and Spotify, all the major streaming sites. My album is called Water and Bones. And I also have a Patreon page where I post exclusive content. And there's a music video for one of my songs, May This Body Be a Bridge, that I love to share with people. You can find it on YouTube under May This Body Be a Bridge, official music video by T. Martin. Both that song, the Spider Thread song, and this whole album is filled mm. with just incredible music. I I find it. I got it from Bandcamp, and I find it just one. It's one of my favorite albums. Um, Thank you. Really so much. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for putting it out there. Mm -hmm. 
A huge thank you to UT for coming on A Breath of Song and a huge thank you to our listeners. I'm so glad that you are singing with us. You can visit abreathofsong.com to see show notes with links, lyrics, Patty Piotrowski's glorious artwork. You can sign up to get artwork and music in your mailbox. How beautiful is that? And be one of the generous people who put something in the gratitude jar to help cover costs. Before Patty or I is paid, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America which directly supports jazz, blues, and roots musicians in need. The skill and the artistry of these musicians has directly shaped most of the music that I share on this podcast in one way or another, yet historically they have been inadequately recognized and unfairly recompensed. And so this is a small step toward restoration. Let's sing Alchemy again to help it sink in more deeply. Everything is helping you grow and thrive know what you need to know everything is helping you grow and thrive know what you need to know and it is not too late it is not too late follow it is not too late it is not too late follow it is not too late it is not too late to follow your dreams it is not too late it is not too late to follow it is not too late it is not too late to follow it is not too late it is not too late to follow your Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah. Thank you, listeners and singers, for joining T and me for a breath of song. I'm so grateful that you're taking care of yourself and listening to your voice. I believe making a better world starts with tuning into ourselves and each other, which is what we just did. So, yay, yay. us! If you're liking this podcast, please share with a friend, and next time we'll plant another song. Until then, be well. Yay, we can hit pause.